You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 138 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What's new in Gina world? Oh, my God. I've just been to the land of hashtag blessed, Valerie. Where's the uh, land of hashtag, hashtag blessed? yoga beach, babe. I've just come back really? from Byron Bay. Oh. And I think you would be in your element there. I think you'd probably be a bit of a rock star there now. No, you, it's too hot. Too hot. Why is too hot? It's, it's, it's macrame heaven oh yes i could so i think i could probably lure you there on a trip now because if i just say every other shop is macrame really macrame everywhere yeah it's all over the place wow i love a bit of macrame in um byron bay hashtag blessed hashtag yoga beach bay But, like, can I tell you something just as a side? Okay. Very, 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 very hot guys in Byron Bay. Really? Very high, more hot, like you see. It's mostly guys when it's cold. The girls all scurry away. I don't know where they go. They hibernate for the winter (laughs) or something, but you don't see the hashtag yoga beach babe blessed at all on the Mm. beach. They're getting their bodies ready for the summer. Hashtag. Uh, but the guys, uh, yeah, everywhere. Have they all got dreadlocks though? No, no. You see all kinds. You see the that like it, it actually. I I kept, I kept feeling like I'm like, are these? Is am I am in a movie now? And are these <laughs> like if I was casting the you know ideal beach holiday sleepy little spot because it's mm. sleepy in winter Byron Bay mm. uh, these were all the people that I would cast so you get your Liam Hemsworth looking mm. you know beach babe yep, and then yep. you've got the long blonde hair and then you've got that rugged it, there's something for everyone <laughs> but that's like where I live now it's a bit like that yeah. Do you get the guys that walk around in just jeans with a, a blanket uh, as a as a top? They, so they they just got their jeans. Mm. They wrap a blanket, or so it's just like they just got up. They right. throw on their jeans, wrap a blanket to keep them warm, and carry their guitar down the street. That's the oh look. yeah no they, they have you the, got those at mine? They just all of that without the blanket. Oh really? Yeah, it's a bit warmer. Well, I, I don't blanket. know. I like the I like the blanket as an extra touch and the guitar as they got the guitar. Often there's a guitar involved. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, where I live, admittedly, a little bit like that. Like when I moved there, I just kept going, "Why is everyone so good looking? <laughs> and why is everyone so friendly?" <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's warm weather 
um, uh, grows good-looking and friendly I people. I guess so. Jeez. As does the other extreme, I noticed very cold weather does the same thing, Val. You reckon? You think mm-hmm. they're good-looking in Antarctica? There's very good-looking people in Iceland, Val. Oh, okay, Iceland. Yes, mm. all right. Mm. Well, I'll take your word for it. Now, this episode, episode 138, is actually a snapshot, which is a mini-sode in our series, and that means in between our regular programming, when we have our regular-length episodes, we occasionally do a mini-sode, or a snapshot, as we call it. And in these snapshots, we often answer listener questions or just talk about a short and snappy topic. And this particular episode, we're talking about a couple of things, and that includes refurbishing gear and should you show personal projects as part of your portfolio so our first question and we can hear gary in the background gary of course is genus dog and uh genus dog um often likes to participate in the podcasts is gary having a good time in having a little party in the background there he's having a good old scratch and a roll around oh good Um, where's he scratching so i've got like this uh it's like a, a rug that's quite rough when he mm. so he rolls on it and um, it just has a good scratch and so he was really enjoying that. I think you could hear him snorting. <laughs> <as well. laughs> All right, so professional. Thanks, Gaza. All right, so Benjamin has asked us. Um, good day, Gina. Please, I have a question. I hope you can help me with. Is it possible to refurbish an L series Canon lens and bring it back to an almost new condition? If it is possible, where can it be done and what is the likely cost? Oh, well, that's a really good question, Benjamin. So, yeah. Google Gina, what <laughs> what's the answer? So, the answer is yes. Thanks very much. See you next week, Val. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can do it. And look, I guess this kind of comes into the are you the kind of person that loves new camera smell or are you the kind of person that is happy to have something that someone else has used before you? Because some people like to have a camera that they know they're the first person to ever use it or they don't, just don't want it, the unknown factor of like, you know, someone else has used it. It may have been dropped or all those sorts of things. Um, I'm the kind of person that is uh, all for getting used or refurbished and basically um, – you can. There are sites that you can buy refurbished gear, and in in a shop, refurbished means that it might have been um, someone might have bought a lens or a camera before you, gotten it home, and realised that they uh, can't be bothered working out how to use it, or they just decided that they thought they wanted to have a DSLR but like their iPhone is just so much easier so they give up and they bring it back Mm. and because it's been opened and out of the box and it might have a like a you know a scratch on it or something it's then termed as refurbished there's nothing wrong with it but Mm. you can save uh, several hundred dollars on it and it also goes down to something that might be a little bit older that they'll take it in and they'll give it a service and give it a polish and put that out as refurbished as well so it's actually a really good way to buy gear now with the l series lens that he's talking about yes you can uh bring it back to an almost new condition it's basically you bring it in and they can service it they can make sure that the rings and the and and it's focusing the way 
it should and uh, hopefully there's no chips or scratches or mold on the lens. There's a there's an episode about buying uh, used gear. Uh, in the archives that you might want to also look up, Benjamin, that explains how what to look for when you're buying used gear, but that you check all that sort of stuff. Mm. And um, so if, if it's provided that uh, everything is okay with the lens, then you can bring it back to an almost new condition and uh, it's definitely worth doing, Val. Oh, great. And in so, the background, I think it sounds like Gary's humping a chair or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. But I think he will. I'm going to try and get him on my lap. Okay, so. So, sorry. So, in terms of a, yeah, refurbishing a lens, uh, something, um, it depends. Uh, obviously on the lens, what condition it's in. So if you've got something that's been kicking around the back of a car uh, for ages and it's chipped and dented and all of that sort of stuff, then uh, it'll, it's, like, it's going to cost you more, but it could be anywhere between $100 and $400. So in, and, and with a camera, you can get a shutter replaced on a camera for around 330 US, which mm. is if you buy – if you pick up a, uh, a used um, uh, high-end DSLR for, a, mm. you know, maybe $1,500, put a new shutter in, you've got – pretty much a brand new cam- camera there. You give it a service for, you know, a couple of thousand dollars as opposed to five or 6,000 if you're buying it brand new. So yeah. and that may come with, uh, it's like buying a, new, a used car from a car dealer. It might come with a bit of a warranty uh, for, for a few months. And so it's peace of mind as well. I, I think it's worth doing. Uh, if uh, if you guys, are, you know, Melbourne listeners, I know I personally take my stuff to the camera clinic in Melbourne and they do a fantastic job. Um, so it's, it's well worth looking into. And the other thing that you can buy refurbished for photographers, computers. And you oh. can get bargains. And I am actually right now looking for a refurb uh, Mac Book Air that I can take on planes. Why refurbed? Because you get it so much cheaper. It's just going to be a second MacBook for me. Right. I've got MacBook Pro, but the MacBook Pro is like three and a half kilos and it's just too heavy. Yeah. I was looking at an iPad. Again, uh, no no ports. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, so I'm now looking at uh, refurbished Macs as well, like something light that I can just use when I travel rather than having. So there's there's so many options in the uh, refurbished gear. It's it's well worth looking into. So I'll put a couple of links uh, in the show notes uh, ab- about some places that you can go and uh, have a look. Uh, the, the Canon uh, refurb as well, uh, well worth it. And, of course, you can find the show notes at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And the other thing that you can find at ginamilitia.com is you can register your interest in the upcoming course. It's very soon to be released called Master the Magic of Manual Mode and Get Off Auto Forever. So it's for those of you who have been shooting on auto and you want to, you know, 
really do what real photographers do, and that is make the most out of manual mode. Now, when Gina taught this to me, I, it just transformed the way I approached my camera because for a long time I was sticking with the safety of auto. But the way Gina explained it to me helped me understand it's actually easy to figure out the manual settings to achieve the shot you want. You get so much more flexibility and you just get a much better shot. And that's why I'm so excited about this course, uh, Master the Magic of Manual Mode and Get Off Auto Forever. And the reason why I suggest that you go there, and if you want to go straight there, then just go to ginamilitia.com slash manual that's ginamilitia.com slash manual because you have a chance to register your interest and if you register your interest you will get a special pre-launch discount that will only ever be available um, at the pre-launch at, at, at pre-launch uh, there's a special price that will be a lot less than retail for those who take action now because we want to reward you if you take action now and after launch obviously the price will go back to retail but it's free to register your interest so make sure you go to Gina Militia com slash manual in order to register your interest in what I think is a very exciting course. I love it. I've personally learnt so much from it and that's why um, I can rave about it. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to another question and this is from Francis Fong. Now, Francis asked in the Facebook group, Hi, everyone. I'm building a family slash lifestyle portfolio with aspirations of taking it to market as part of a lifestyle portraiture business. I'm constantly finding, however, that some of my best work are my personal shots of my own family. So what are people's thoughts on including some personal shots in a portfolio intended for business and how many is too many? Say, is one or two shots okay or not at all? In creating a portfolio, should it always be the case of putting your best work forward, assuming it fits a consistent theme, or is it more ideal to keep personal work completely separate? All right, great question. So, it is a great question. Yeah. And there, we also included, uh, you know, a photo in the show notes if you want to see some of Francis's work. Uh, what's your answer to that, Gina? Okay, so if Francis was um, wanting to start a business in the niche of, say, I'm trying to think of something completely opposite to family portraits, architecture, architecture. Uh, advertising, car photography, uh, food photography, and that's what he wanted to attract, then I would say, no, Francis, don't put your personal family um, shots on there. But Francis is wanting to start a it's family lifestyle um, business, right? So mm. he's in the business of photographing families and lifestyle, and I'm saying, who better to be um, representing your business, you know, than your family. Now, unless you have a problem with uh, your family being out there and mm. seen and photographed, then I, if you don't have a problem with that, and a lot of photographers don't, and I know a lot of photographers regularly photograph their families uh, and put them out there and uh, that attracts more work. So it might be that it's something that you do initially and then as you get more and more clients, and attract different families, then you can slowly phase out the shots of your own family off the folio and start using other other people 
uh, to represent your work. So I think the advantages of using people that you know, and this has been done throughout the ages, Val. Like you know, artists often will. Who do they paint the most? Often, if they can't, if they don't have any friends or family, <laughs> they they. They paint themselves. Mm. You know, they do self-portraits because they need to to have a, a body to 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 represent. So they'll they'll do themselves. And so same with a lot of your know, photographers will often photograph uh, the people that they love the most. And it's a it's a it's a great way to work because with the family shots, Francis, your kids are around you all the time, and you may have uh, the this uh, amazing location just up the road or across the street and you've got the opportunity of going back there throughout the different seasons and at all different times, early morning, late. And, you know, if there's any – if you've got that opportunity to get that perfect shot where the sun's in just the right angle, you're getting exactly the right reflections and the kids do exactly what you want to and you get to snap that shot so you can build that folio. And then the other advantage is you may have – set up a shot and done it with your kids and then realized, oh, my God, I wish that guy in the pink tracksuit wasn't in the background. How annoying. (laughs) Same kids, take them back the next day, do it again. Or, oh, man, it would have been so much better two hours later because just to get more detail in the sky or less detail in the sky, you've got those options. So, um, you know, and and you're working with people you know and hopefully – I see the little girls are what, what would you say, like two, one, and mm. maybe three, mm. uh, unless they're very savvy business people. I imagine if it was you, Val, you would have been charging at that age. <laughs> Just, you model, well, let me work it out. Let me speak to my agent. Um, but these kids will probably work for free or, you know, a, a packet of Cheetos or something. Um, so th- that's the advantage. So I don't. I don't really have a problem with it if you don't have a problem with having your kids out there online and I Mm. think it's like for all those reasons, like the the fact that you can just shoot so many different options, it's a great thing to do. Mm. Absolutely. I think um, that's exactly right. It makes so much sense. Why wouldn't you include them unless you don't want their images out there? Yes. Why wouldn't you include them? It's interesting what you say, how some artists, if they don't have family or friends around, they often have to paint themselves, you know, in the olden days. And it's interesting because I did an art class once and there would have been maybe 12 people in the class and the Mm. art teacher, we all had an easel and a canvas and everything. And um, the art teacher would just show us this is um, a good technique to draw eyes let's everyone start with the eyes this is a good technique to draw a nose let's everyone do a nose then mouth and hair and so on so she only talked very generically about how to do eyes and noses and stuff and it was really interesting because at the end she she got everyone to hold up their um portrait or or the the, Mm. the person next to them and every single person except for me every single person had drawn, drawn and, and she never said draw a picture of yourself. She just said draw any picture. But every single person had drawn an image that looked almost exactly like them, even really? though they were they were meant to be drawing just, you know, a, a, a generic image. Who did um, you draw, Valerie Koo? My cat Rex. <laughs> oh, so this wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I'm thinking of you were like 12. No. 
story. In fact, it was at Byron. I was in Byron and I did hashtag the art class blessed. You can't say Byron without saying hashtag, hashtag blessed. <laughs> Renamed. So, yes. Byron. That's right. That's right. And uh, just like that. And, uh, yeah, so it's interesting that people have that tendency anyway, except for me, I draw my cat Rex. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was so fascinating just to look at everyone's pictures because they looked exactly like them. Wow. Uh, that's just an aside. So that brings us to the end of our snapshot this week. If you have a question, a particular question you would like us to answer on the podcast, then email news, that's N-E-W-S, news, at com, and um, we will get round to it in an upcoming episode. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Where do we find you online, Gina? GinaMilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, at Gina Militia on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. I can't think of any other social <laughs> uh, social t- uh, platforms, Val. Insta, did I say? Where are you, Val? Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And... Um, uh, of course, you can find both of us on Facebook in the podcast group. So we have a free group that you can join. Uh, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and um, and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. And that's a great group of our listeners and um, all fantastic people who are interested mm-hmm. in photography and cameras and getting fantastic shots. And lovely people. And they're too. also nice as well. Awesome. It's it's such a good it's such a good group. So anyway, we look forward to seeing you in there. Thanks so much for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.